the Bavada at Odds podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm joined by the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow, as we break down the latest odds in all the major sports. NFL week to week as the playoffs are upon us, we'll break down the latest odds plus the futures. It's the Bavada at Odds podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcast. MLB show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 158 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky. Bryce, it is great to have you back on the East Coast. I know your uh, West Coast excursion, as we talked about last week, uh, you had a little snoop a loop. Uh, you caught a game at Coors Field. Always good to catch game at a West Coast stadium. Were you you were there Saturday or Sunday? I was in Denver both Saturday and Sunday, but we made it into Coors on Sunday. Rockies tickets just to get it. I mean, let's get into it's early in the morning here, but let's get into money. How much do you think just to get into that Saturday night Dodgers at eight dollars? Dude, no way off. Too high or too low? Well, I mean, I don't know if you could be way off on the too high front. It was you guessed eight dollars. So it was fourteen dollars. It was like seventy-five just to get in close to game time. Oh wow, I was well. You know what? That makes me happy though. I mean, it's it's the opening series. The Dodgers yeah. are in town. You know, look, I know the Rockies are the Rockies, but they did sign Bryant. They did trade for Gritchuk. They at least on the surface tried to upgrade their team a bit. I mean, they beat the shit out of the Dodgers this weekend. I was going to say, so were you at one of the games that they won? I've seen, I went to a game on Sunday and I saw something I had never seen. The le- two, both left fielders, Chris Taylor and Chris Bryant, both dropped a fly ball. Tough clouds, <laughs> tough conditions, or they just lost the ball? Just dropped it. In the glove, dropped it. I've never seen a big week after they do that. That's very, very strange. So good opening couple of days of baseball. Uh, Yanks are two and two. I'm one and one. Opening day got canceled Thursday because it's poured here. Got moved to Friday. Wait, got, Chase, got, did you say you're keeping? Are we keeping track of Yankees? Can we do that every Yankee game you go to? We have to report on your record. Yeah, that's fine. I'm one and one on the year, but I, I get an asterisk last night because uh, Bates and Kenny were there, so I'm fully, or excuse me, Bates and Nathan were there, so I'm fully giving them the blame for last night's loss. In yeah. my season. In my season ticket seats, I'm 1-0 on the year. Last night, I stayed on the bleachers, 1-1. One one. I blame myself. I wore the green jersey. Green jersey staying at home. We're sticking with the pinstripes. Josh Donaldson, though, the bringer of the rain, walk-off hit on opening day. That was great against the Red Sox. And uh, I got pretty fucking sunburned. not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, I think the weather across the country was pretty good this week. Yeah, my right side of my body got sunburned. I looked full-on like Harvey Dent from Dark Knight. But that's a conversation from the other day because we got a lot of baseball to talk about and some contest winners to announce. But before we do that, we will get into our Bavada Sportsbook Picks of the Week. Uh, we'll pick a couple games today. I'm going strictly based on the pitching matchups. Uh, but the first one we'll do, we'll do the homer pick. Let's do Yanks, Blue Jays, Kikuchi on the mound for the Blue Jays. Nasty Nestor Cortez making his season debut for the Yankees at the stadium. Minus one and a half, plus, minus, plus one and a half, minus 194, plus 112 for the Blue Jays. 
minus one and a half, plus 160, minus 132 for the Yankees. Look, I mean, the way the way the Yanks have been playing, they didn't hit it all yesterday, to be honest with you. We got three hit against Manoa. Uh, this is a battle of the lefties, Kikuchi and Nestor, and as nasty as Nestor was last year, my second BovadaSportsbook.com regular season pick of the year is going to be the over of 10 in this game. It was 3 nothing last night. I think the bats get broken out tonight at the stadium. I would expect Toronto Blue Jay overs to be hitting all season long. That's the smart bet. I mean, they really hit all the – they just kept hitting all the – You know what the scariest part of to me was watching them last night at the stadium is not only how much they hit. I mean, George Springer, certified Yankee killer, but we knew that. They're unbelievable defensively too. Oh, I mean, they are – we were – every baseball fan is <clears throat> rightfully very high on this Toronto team. And you know who looks real good to start the season? The Oscar, the Oscar. Yeah, I think the Oscar's hitting. It's either four thirteen or four thirty one. I saw last night. Either way, it's a very good way to start the season. I mean, this is the number one the Oscar podcast in America. I won't. I won't say in the world because he may have a bigger fan club in Canada, but America. This is your number one source for all the Oscar I also want to give a shout out. Uh, we're not going to pick his team, but Bundy last night first start as a twin, five scoreless. Wow, the Twins did everything right. The Twins are going to be. Twins actually, twins are going to be good because every, I, you know, we got a long show and I can talk about the twins all show, but every year to start the season, Byron Buxton starts off like reminding people why he is, why he was the number two pick of that draft. I said, I said at our softball game Sunday, quote, I will saw my pinky off for 130 games of Byron Buxton this year. Is he on your team? He is on our, my team. Yes. Yeah. If you get a, if you get 130 games of Buxton, what round did you go in? Got him in the fifth round. It's kind of high for such an injury-prone player. but For context, though, my first couple round picks were Mookie, Bueller, Burns, and somebody else with a very like high ceiling type of guy, but a with high a floor bee, as well. With a, you, you just have the killer bees. I have the killer bees as well, Buxton. I think I, it might have been Brandon Lowe, to be honest. So I might have gone five bees in the first five rounds. Didn't you not have a fourth round pick? Well, including Burns, I'm saying. Burns was my third-round pick. Second game, we're going to pick Mets-Phillies. Uh, Zach Wheeler's season debut at Citizens Bank Park. Meagle on the bump for the Mets. Plus one and a half, minus 154, plus 136 for the Mets. Minus one and a half, plus 128, minus 162 for the Phillies. Uh, Meagle looks really good opening day. Some, mostly Eli Russo, do the comparison to Jacob DeGrom because they came up the same age. I'm going to pump the brakes there big time. Uh, but yeah. we, love, we love Wheeler. Wheeler was our trendy Cy Young pick. Uh, so for this game, I'm actually going to go under eight and a half, uh, minus one Oh four in this game. I think Wheeler comes out shoving. I think Meagle stays hot. I do think he is good. And, uh, the bats get silenced in New York who had their first epic blown save meltdown of the year. And it was great. I'm going to go Phillies minus one and a half here. I just think, I think that Phillies, all their off season moves were towards the hitting side and they paid off. Castellanos looks real good. Schwarber hit a bomb the other day. Uh, and when Wheeler's on the mound, I don't know why I pick against him. Did you see the clip of Alec Bohm yesterday? I mean, in, in Philly's defense, he made three throwing errors in three innings. So Alec Bohm plays third base and wasn't the opening day third baseman. And he's, you know, former top three prospect. He's playing third. Like you said, he made three errors in the first three innings. So then it was the classic, like, we would do this shit too, obviously. Ground ball to 30 makes the routine play. They throw it to first. The crowd goes nuts. 
And you can literally see him mouthing, I fucking hate it here. And to his credit, he owned up to it after the game. He said, yeah, I said it. I got caught up in the emotions. I love Philadelphia. I mean, I would. I, he's in for a long. That's not something you want to say in Philadelphia. Yeah, early on. Remember, they booed Santa Claus, and you are not Santa Claus. Final game, we will be picking Dodgers, Padres in San Francisco, 945 Eastern, first pitch. You Darvish and the Padres, Alex Cobb and the Giants, minus one and a half, plus 146, minus 110 for the Padres. Plus one and a half, minus 178, minus 106 for the Giants. Darvish was pretty decent on opening day. Um, what Al- Chase, he didn't give up a hit. That's true. That's better than pretty decent. Six no-hit innings. Give him credit where credit's due. Uh, and a negative to Tim Hill, who uh, Musgrove – or not Musgrove, Shawmanea and Darvish opening day both went – or on their first two starts of the year, both had six no-hit inning outings. And Tim Hill, seven. Tim Hill, regardless, came in in both games. And gave up a hit first battery face. That's not good. That's not how you want to start your season. All of which is to say I'm going Giants minus 106. I took Cobb in fantasy. He was sneaky good last year. He's going to the San Francisco pitching factory. Uh, but under seven and a half also in play. Two good pitchers and a good pitcher's park. Yeah, I take San Francisco here. Just when they're two good teams, two division rivals, and the road team gets the first, I think the home team gets it, the next one. All right, so those are our picks of the week. And now – Thank you for those of us who participated uh, in our contest. And by those of us, I mean, thank you to you guys who participated. Uh, we have two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 13 total entries. Uh, they all predicted the World Series winners. We had answers, including T-League. Uh, we had a college team, the Miami Hurricanes. The Blue Jays got a lot of love. Uh, so I'm recording this right now. We're going to do three random generators. Uh, we both agree number one will get the grand prize and two through four get the show. Sure. All right. We are recording. First randomization. Sam Beck is the grand prize winner. Kenny Nathan Goodman would be getting the show. That's randomization number one. Number two, someone near and dear to Bryce's heart would be winning the grand prize. Hannah Holden taking her brother to a game, perhaps, with Beck Goodman and John coaching in the second through fourth place prizes. And this is the big one. These are the winners. Okay, our grand prize winner, all the way from California, Bennett Sanders. Congratulations. You are going to two games. Uh, you, you have two tickets to a game of your choosing in the West Coast. Personally, I would go an Angels game over the Dodgers game. There's a better beer selection. So congratulations to you there. Um, Ryan Bache, you came in second place. Congrats. Maya Goldstein. Coming in third, copy of the show. I know her boyfriend's going to be very happy to hear this. And last but certainly not least, Ryan Kenny, the guy who loves the show more than anybody. Those are our prize winners. Thank you to all who participated. We appreciate it. And congratulations to the winners. Uh, we'll be in touch, and we will get you those prizes soon. Let's do it again next year. Let's do it again next year. Maybe we'll do it again in a couple months with the uh, Chase and Bryce funded prize. Might not be as good as this if it comes from us, but it'll be something. It'll probably be game of our choosing and beer. Game, game, choosing. game, beer and chewing tobacco of our choosing. Could be big league chew if you get lucky. <laughs> it's not a bad get. Could be worse. All right, standings and league leaders. Then we'll do players of the week. Uh, we'll run through this standing so far. Blue Jays and the Rays tied atop the AL East, three and one. Yanks, Orioles, Red Sox rounding out the East. White Sox two and one. Guardians, Tigers, Royals, Twins rounding out the Central. Astros three and one 
Uh, A's, Mariners, Angels, and Rangers rounding out the division in order there. I don't really have a lot of commentary on the games. You know, it's so early in the season. Uh, But the one thing I will say is I agree with you about the Twins. Twins are hitting the crap out of the ball early. The Bomba squad, it looks like rumors of their demise were greatly exaggerated. I know. I think they just – I don't know if it's a demise thing. I think they just kind of – They had an off year. I think they – I think just – they didn't do anything that before the lockout and when the lockout ended, they were the team, they had the best post lockout free agency. Yeah. It, it's a very bittersweet thing for me, but when I see Gary crushing grand slams, I'm happy for him. I mean, I think we have as Yankee fans. We have to understand. He needed to go. Of course. That I, I don't think we were going to, I think he peaked. I think we got everything we were going to get from him in New York. And in the AL West, the Astros aren't going anywhere. So for those of you who wanted America's favorite team, according to Bryce, to go away, it's just not happening. Jeremy Pena, in fact, the guy who's replacing Correa, has so much swag that he hit his first career home run while his parents were being interviewed at the game. Yeah, I mean, their one loss was the Verlander start. Which is very telling. If you're losing the one Verlander start, I mean, Fromber looked incredible. He was one of my players of the week. Um, six and two third innings, a two hit ball out dueled Otani on opening day and a three, one victory against the angels. Uh, they now have the longest opening day winning streak in major league history of the Astros. Good for them. Moving to the national league, NL East Phillies three and one entering them first Mets, Braves, Nats, Marlins rounding at that division NL central Cubs, two and one, uh, Cardinals, Reds, Pirates, Brewers rounding at that division NL West. I mean, the Bavada odds of the Rockies spending time in first place early, probably pretty slim, especially with the Dodgers coming to town opening series. But Rockies and Padres, three and one in first place. Giants, Dodgers, Diamondbacks rounding out the division there. Don't overreact. Um, some of my takeaways for the National League, I think the Cubs are going to be much better than people think. I thought, I mean, it's granted it's early, but that Cubs, I think the Rockies are the two big upset series. It was the Rockies taking out the Dodgers and the Cubs beating the Brewers. I would be much more alarmed if I was a Brewers fan than a Dodgers fan. Well, the I'll even take it a step further. The Brewers also dropped a two nothing game last night against the Orioles. Um, and and I think with the Brewers, yes, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, I think their team is constructed where the pitching is going to dominate and they'll get just enough hitting. Um, they've had no hitting so far, pretty much across the board, and. Burns went from not walking a batter until his 58th strikeout of the year last year to walking the first batter he faced and walking two batters in the first inning. Woodruff got lit up. I mean, again, it's the first start. Let's not overreact. But this team is built to win on pitching, and some of these guys who are going to have early rust, it could be problematic for a team like that. Yeah. I mean, look, the Brewers, we both thought that Craig Council was going to be slam dunk manager of the year in the NL. That doesn't – no, it's it's – Put the hit the brakes. I, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. It's been four games, but no, this is somewhat concerning. Burns not looking sharp was Burns was the Cy Young winner. I didn't think he deserved it, but he won the Cy Young last year. Then that control thing he had. If the control goes with that guy, he's in trouble. Yeah, I mean, I watched that game because it was the first game on opening day, and as he got going, the stuff got better. I ended up with five strikeouts, he made it five innings, but yeah, the, the control was problematic. You know, especially for a guy who had such pronounced control issues before, really before the 2020 season. Yeah, so, I mean, look, I mean, I always root for players to do well. Baseball's a lot more fun when the stars are playing like stars. 
So I hope that I, I would assume Corbin bounces back in his next one, but not a great opening set of games for Milwaukee. All right, league leaders offensively, Jose Abreu, Stephen Kwan, and Miles Straw tied with six runs apiece. Wander Franco. Stephen Kwan guy is out of control. Stephen Kwan's getting his own shout out. Don't worry. He was my already my stealth fantasy pickup of the year. Uh, Rich homie Kwan is going to be my new team name. Uh, nine hits apiece, Wander Franco and Stephen Kwan. Elvis Andrews, Arenado, Escobar, Hosmer, and Owen Miller with three doubles. CJ Crone. I mean, the triples list is hilarious. Triples list is deep, but CJ Crone is the first one, and that's funny to me. Um, the Rockies just hit. All with one triple. Buxton, three home runs leading the league. Oscar Mercado leading the league with eight RBIs. Walks leader so far. Damn, Luke Voigt's got eight walks already. How? He's hitting 231 and he's slugging 231, but his OBP is 545. That's what you want. So the answer to your question is he has three hits and eight walks. Uh, stolen base leader uh, with two apiece, Travis Jankowski, Jorge Mateo, Luis Robert, and Miles Straw. Average leader at 714, Ian Happ. OBP at 789, Stephen Kwan. Slugging your boy Arenado, 1.25, and your OPS leader at 1.789. Narrowly, Edging out Nolan Arenado by .01 is Stephen Kwan. On the pitching side of things, Stephen Wilson has two wins. If you don't know him, that's the same for us. Uh, ERA, there's a bunch of guys who haven't given up a run, so we are going to skip that. Saves leader, Taylor Rogers and Jordan Romero with three apiece. Innings pitch leaders, Kyle Gibson, Manea, Marquez, Robbie Ray at seven apiece. Strikeout leader so far is Carlos Rodon with 12. We'll talk about him more shortly. And the whip leader, 0.14, Sean Manea. Lefties who moved to the NL West having a great start. Uh, any takeaway from those pitching stats? Other than Rich Homie Kwan, there's nobody on either side, offensive, defensively, that you know really jumps out to me as, holy shit, this is a crazy start. Yeah, I'll talk about someone on the pitching side. I'll talk about one of those guys with zero, a zero ERA. Uh, good for Adam Wainwright. Getting oh, back. Dude, 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 pump the brakes. He's in the player of the week. We're about to get there. I know, but I just want to go right to Wayno. All right, go for it. I mean, the way the Wayno pitching Yachty catchy pool sitting fifth opening day, you know, the 10 year old chase was sitting somewhere in Iris and Barry's basement with shades of the 06 NLCS going through my head, just thinking, wow, I'm going to be 26 years old and these guys are still doing it together with the same team. This is great. Well, I don't think Wayno, Wayno was closed in NLCS. Yeah, but shades of the NLCS. It was still Yachty catching pools. I, yeah, I mean, the Cardinals thing was cool. It looks like, did I? I've predicted Arenado MVP. That's not looking ridiculous after the first weekend. Uh, Pujols was bad. It's all right. Pujols is there to be there at this point. Uh, Arenado in the opening series against the Pirates had two homers, seven RBIs, three doubles, and a four-game series against the Pirates. He actually won NL Player of the Week. Wainwright in his opening day start against the Pirates threw six shutout innings and became the fourth oldest pitcher to throw six-plus scoreless on opening day. Um, and pitchers 40 or older to do that since 1901. Uh, Wainwright, Roger Clemens, Charlie Huff, Rip Sewell, and Lefty Grove. So some good out competition. Uh, great to see Wainwright still doing his thing. Uh, we got to mention Showtime, Shohei Otani. Probably looked the best I've seen him look pitching in quite some time opening day against the Astros. Uh, because of pitch count, only went four, four and two-thirds, but nine strikeouts, one earned. Uh, he also hit a ball on Sunday in a 4-1 loss, 119.1 miles per hour in the third inning, which is the hardest hit ball ever by a lefty in StatCast. I know we talked about it would be a really tough thing for him to do to have an encore season and win the MVP, but 
now that I've watched him play again, I don't think it's that crazy anymore. No, he might. It's not. But I, but I still – I don't know. They gave Trout so many MVPs on a bad team. That team has to win. Well, somebody had a perfect tweet. I think I shared it with you. Maybe not. Not here it is. That these Washington Nationals are perfectly constructed to test the boundaries of how few wins a player needs to, in order to win the MVP. Yeah. I mean, what what's the record? I'll, I'll look at this. I feel like yeah. I have to think it's maybe an A-Rod Texas team, or I think yeah. Andre Dawson Ernie on the Cubs. Banks. I was going to say Banks, Andre Dawson in 87. I know the Cubs were real bad. Um, two other players of the week while you look that up. I mean, Carlos Rodon, you talk about a debut. He struck out 12 over five minutes in his first career start at Oracle Park. Um, you know, if you go down to the breakdown specifically, I have some notes here on this. I thought I had – okay. Uh, Rodon's outing was the 10th time in Major League history a pitcher finished with 12 strikeouts and five innings or fewer. Uh, the other two were Carlos Carrasco and Alex Cobb. Interesting list there. Um, but if Rodon stays healthy and keeps pitching like this, is the opt-out all but certain, you think? Yeah. I, mean, I know it's the, one start. We're not going to overreact. If he has a Cy Young caliber season, he'll opt out. Don't want to overreact too much. I mean, he looked like the guy who – you know, for the good chunk of the year last year was one of the Cy Young favorites until his injuries fired up. Yeah, he was – I mean, he threw that no-hitter at start one, I would think, if he keeps pitching. I mean, if he does this again, if he has two quality years in a row, he'll get a better contract. If the player opts out, it means the deal was – it was a bad deal by the team. All right, let's talk about my boy, rich homie, Stephen Kwan. Uh, the Bavada odds of people outside the city of Cleveland knowing this guy – Prior to opening day, I would say we're just about slim to none. To be honest with you, I only knew about him because the Athletic ran an article specifically about him. Um, but he's 25 years old. He's a starting left fielder for the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, see, I made sure I said the right thing there. And he became the sixth player since at least 1901 to record a five-hit game within his first three games, joining Yerman Mercedes, Cecil Travis, Red Massey, Jack Dalton, and Judge McCready. Some great names there. Um, yesterday, he had his first career triple two more walks uh, and a little more history in the guardians 10, seven win because with six singles, two doubles, a triple and five walks since opening day, he has reached base 15 times in his first four MLB games, the most ever in four games since 1901. These are just cool stories, man. I mean, look, could this very easily be the Brian LaHaye or even the Yerman Mercedes um, of the past? Sure. But I'm riding the rich homie Quan wave until I can, until I can anymore. Uh, between this and the Jose Ramirez week news that we're about to talk about, pretty fucking good first week for the Guardians, all things considered. Bieber looked good in his first start back after, you know, what was a pretty terrible up until April 5th offseason. Guardians, they're going to be okay. Well, I don't think they lost the Bieber start. I think they lost the Bieber start. They did because Greinke went five and two-thirds, one iron. But Bieber, I'm saying, looked good in his first start back. No, I mean, the getting locking up Jose long-term was huge for the franchise. If he really did, he didn't want to leave Cleveland, then I think he got a very team-friendly deal. If I'm a Guardians fan, I'm ecstatic that that's the contract we have this guy under. Yep, we're going we're gonna to talk about that in one second. My last players of the week shout-out last night, Taylor and Tyler Rogers, identical twins who are both now in the NL West. Taylor got traded from the twins to the Padres for Chris Paddock and parts. They faced off for the first time on Monday night in the Giants-Padres game. They became the first set of twins to appear in the same game and the first to pitch for opposing teams. They exchanged lineup cards as well. Uh, but shout out 
to Taylor, who now has bragging rights. He picked up the save, and Tyler was charged with a blown save and a loss in the seventh inning. Uh, advantage Tyler Rod Taylor Rogers. Oh, that's gonna be confusing. Yeah. Why do parents do this? It's like we know a Brian and a Ryan, Taylor, Tyler. It's enough. Differentiate your kids a bit. Especially identical a, twins. Oh my god, we do know a Brian and a Ryan. Yeah, I couldn't just pull that out of my ass. I like Justin. Cool. No, I don't know. It's kind of funny. But that Tyler and Taylor are really that's bizarre. and they're identical twins. I don't think they you, you don't know that the twins are gonna be identical. Until after they're born. That's true. That's true. That's why you're the geneticist and I'm not. I am quite the geneticist. Thank you, Jason. Is that a word or did I make one up? That's a word. All right. Look at me. Nine in the morning. Nine or two in the morning using big words. Big right. Words. You just mentioned it, but we talked briefly about what a Jose Ramirez extension would look like uh, last week. And what did you put? What did you and I put the Bavada over under at? Like, I think I, I called him a $200 million player and was shocked. Anything under. I think we both took the over. Um, and looking at this deal, it makes the Aaron Judge lack of extension even more startling. Uh, but we'll get to that in a second. So Jose, uh, he's the new LeBron. That's going to be the title of this. It's literally the title of this episode. Jose is the new LeBron. He's choosing to stay in Cleveland when others have gone. You know, somebody made the point. You have you've had all these stars over the past really twenty or so years. You had Tome, you had Manny, you had Lindor recently, and all those guys. Left in free agency right away. But Jose is the star who decided to stay. Um, his 2023 club option will be picked up and another five seasons are tacked on at $124 million. His contract with the Guardians now runs through 2028 and contains a full no-trade clause ensuring who will remain in Cleveland for the long haul. As team-friendly as this deal, uh, this deal is, when annual salaries for stars are well north of $30 million, um, the switch hitting 29 year old instead said, I want less money. I'm adamant about my desire to stay in Cleveland. Uh, Ramirez was going to earn 12 million this year. That option will now come in at 14 million next year. So it's all told 150 over seven, which comes out to, uh, under 22 million a year in total. Uh, but since he came up in 2013 as a utility man, I mean, in the past five years, Ramirez has been an absolute stud finishing the top six of the ALMVP people four times, uh, three of which were top three. Three silver sluggers, three all-star games. You know, 2017 was when he really broke out as a star and dating since back to then. 280, 365, 547 slash line, uh, 139 WRC plus, 114 home runs, 112 steals. Strong defense, strong defensively in second and third. Uh, in terms of war per fan graphs, he's behind Mikey Trout, Mikey Trout, Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. You can see where the Mikey came in there. So again, I mean, this guy is an absolute superstar. We've talked about, you know, him and Trey Turner, in my mind, are the two most underrated stars in the game. He's staying in Cleveland long-term, so he still may continue to be underrated. Uh, this is double the biggest contract that the Guardians have ever given out. The previous one, funny enough, was to Edwin Encarnacion uh, at three years and $60 million, which was a terrible contract. But that, look, that was pretty bad. Good for the Guardians, man. I mean, you got a guy who not only wanted to stay in Cleveland when others have gone, but did it in a way where your salary – is not going to be crippled at all going forward. Um, so my two questions, the first to you are, A, why do you think Jose took this big of a discount? Um, and B, given that he took the discount, what do you think the expectation is from his end for the Guardians front office? Because to me, this um, screams, I'm taking less, like the Brady's of the past, you better spend and put a good fucking team around me. One, first in a, on the Edwin Encarnacion front, I think you, you under, that was not a terrible contract. 
And he, he played two of the three years there and got traded to Seattle. And he averaged 35 homers and 107 RBIs. All right. Much love to Edwin. Uh, but, yeah, now this contract, I don't know. I just don't know what this franchise is doing. They've never been a spend franchise. Uh, they got rid of Lindor. I mean, I would – we'll put it this way. I would much rather have Jose. I think – would you rather have Jose or Ramirez or Francisco Lindor? Just in don't a, even think about don't even think about the contract. No, in a vacuum, I'd still rather have Jose because he's a 30-30 switch hitter. Especially then when you take in seven for 150 versus 10 for 340. Yeah. So this is night a, and day. This I mean, this is that should be a no-brainer choice from any fan. So let's say looking at what this contract is. You know, this should be look, you have five years on this deal. You got some time. You have him and Bieber. They in a, what is still a weak division, I don't know how long this division is going to stay weak because there was a lot I saw from Kansas City that I liked and a lot I saw from Detroit that I liked. I think Detroit could be here now. I think Kansas City's in the And, you know, maybe we're – I think that would be my big takeaway from the early part of the season. I'm very high on all five AL Central teams. There's no they're, – they're really the only team – only division, I think, in baseball without a, without a terrible team, pretty candidly. Like AL East – AL East, you have the Orioles. AL West, I guess the Rangers won't be terrible. They shouldn't be terrible. They gave half a billion dollars to the middle infield. But then in the National League, you have the Nats, the Pirates, and yeah, the Yeah, but Rockies, how bad can the Nats be with Soto? The Nats also, there's stuff I like about the Nats. I like them for where they are in a rebuild development. Uh, but to bring this back to the Guardians, you mentioned Shane Bieber. I have to think this means a Bieber extension is forthcoming. I would hope by the end of the year, uh, only because you left a ton of money to re-sign your ace. But, yeah, I mean, look, this Guardians team, now that Jose's locked up, you know, the Guardians behind Beaver, they have a lot of young pitching that might that people might not know, but Aaron Savali, Zach Plesak, Cal Quantrill, Tristan McKenzie. It's an arms factory, and it has been for the past decade. Um, boy, Chase, I'm going to go. I, I forgot to say something earlier. Do you have anything else on Cleveland? Oh, that was all I had. I don't have anything else on Cleveland, but can I answer a question? Yeah, I have nothing else on Cleveland other than to say, Jose, good on you for being the new LeBron. And uh, I'm excited that the Guardians have their new face of the franchise as they enter this era of their franchise. Uh, I, re- I found a 2015 article that uh, was talking about the MVPs and the worst season, the worst teams. Uh, and I believe, so I just double checked, it wasn't Stan. It was, in fact, the 19. 19- you want to take a guess? Pre or post-1950? Post. MVP on a last-place team. How many wins? 67. All right, so that's 67 and 95. I don't think it's Andre Dawson. Nope. It's not a name that we brought up earlier. Dawson won 76. Okay, it's not a name that we brought up earlier. Banks won 74. Okay. I'm just I'm going through all the random MVPs in my head right now. It's not a random. It'll be my other my final hit. Cal Ripken Jr. 91 Orioles. Boom. Still got it. Still got it. 909 in the morning. Still got. I mean, Cal, I mean, Cal that year though had what like 34 homers, 111 ribbies. Yeah. He, they didn't want to give Robin Yount another MVP award. <laughs> the runner-up was uh the runner-up was Cecil that year. 
how were the Tigers that year? Because I know Cecil was the first baseman, but Cecil, I mean, 50 home runs, I feel like especially then, should have been a lock as much as people loved Cal. Also, have we ever talked about the Cal-Kevin Costner rumors? No. Somebody brought this up to me, and I'll just say the statement, and we'll talk about it off air more because we'll go down a rabbit hole. There's a rumor going around. Not going around. There's a rumor on the internet. 84 wins on the 91 Tigers. Okay. There's a rumor on the internet that the Orioles during the streak during one of the games, uh, manufactured a lighting issue for the game to get canceled and for the streak to continue because the previous night, Cal had got his ass kicked trying to fight Kevin Costner when Costner banged his wife. Off air. <laughs> off air. Yeah, I'll just leave it off air. I like, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Really puts uh, draft day in a new perspective, I guess. Uh, so Jose Ramirez, face of the franchise, he's – there in Cleveland. The Yankees did not come to an agreement with their face of the franchise, uh, Aaron Judge, on an extension. The deadline was opening day. Um, I think you and I put the Bavada over under at this at like 210. Um, and the Yankees, to their credit, came in with what I thought was a very fair and competitive offer. They had offered Judge seven years, 213.5 million uh, beginning next year, which was a $30.5 million AAV. Uh, weirdly enough, Brian Cashman had a press conference right before opening day to air out all the dirty laundry about this. Don't love that, but whatever. Um, John Heyman reports that Judge wants an offer of nine to 10 years with an AAV of $36 million. Um, Max Scherzer is the only player in baseball history with an AAV north of $36 million. Mike Trout's $36 million AAV is the largest ever for a position player. And over a 10-year span, that 360 would match Trout's guarantee. Uh, according to Rosenthal, Ken Rosenthal, Judge didn't ask for an extension longer than eight years. Uh, the offer to Judge also didn't include any deferred money from the Yankees. $30.5 million would have been the 17th highest AAV in baseball history. Uh, and the Yankees were willing to extend Judge through age 37, which is the same as recent contracts for Seager, Freeman, Simeon, and Lindor. All of that despite Judge's injury history. Uh, it sounds like the teams are trying to avoid an arbitration hearing for his 2022 salary. They still have to settle there. Uh, Judge had the largest gap at $5 million. Uh, he was offering $22 million. The Yankees offered 17 I was in the bodega in the Bronx when this news broke. Me and all the Yankee fans were talking. Um, and it's very rare I say this. I side with the Yankees front office here. I think this was more than a fair offer. Uh, Judge is great. I love Judge. He is, I would have slapped the C on his chest and God willing announce this extension opening day. But for a guy who's going to be 30 years old, the body is going to break down. That's not an indictment on judge. That's just the reality of being 670, 270 pounds. That's how the human body works. No kinesiology expert though. Ooh, Chase with the vocab. $30.5 million a year was, I think, more than fair. It was more than either of us expected him to get well, off. I thought this was, I'm happy he turned it down. I, I like, does Judge, what does Judge have to do this year? I guess is the question to get that contract that he wants. Because I don't see a team going more than 210, 220. Uh, I mean, I, what is he going to have to do? He's going to have to be, if he does exactly what he does last year, I think he gets the contract. Still. But that requires him staying healthy for the majority of the season. Uh, and I'm pretty sure, I mean, we don't have it confirmed, but it looks like he's going to miss nine road games in Toronto. And that's a bit – I mean, look, you talk about a guy who a lot of his value – I even just said it. I would have slapped the C on his chest. Comes from off-the-field marketing, his intangibles, his leadership ability. And his homers and his power. 
not to make power. not to make this a political thing, but you know, if you're a true team player, you're not going to put yourself you're not going to put yourself in a position where you're going to miss nine road games against the best team in your division. Yeah, that's that concerns me. Just not having, it. but it's not even so much regular season stuff. It's, it's the playoffs. I mean, if we, Toronto will be in the playoffs. Toronto, I've much more confident Toronto made the playoffs than the Yankees. So. You're seeing this right now play out with the Sixers with Thibault missing games three or four. Really bad. No, you can't. No, Canada's probably. Knowing what I know about the Canadian Health Department, I would expect their COVID restrictions to be in place a lot longer than it was in the U.S. So this isn't going to go away anytime soon. I don't know if you can. I mean, I don't know. I don't like this look. I, I if he wants this much money, he can get it somewhere else. Yeah, I just my biggest thing with Judge and look, I hope Judge balls out. We give him a big contract at the end of the year. But you know, he's talking about it, it was really upsetting because I want to be a Yankee for life. Dude, if you wanted to be a Yankee for life, you take $30.5 million a fucking year, and you're no, the captain this, of the Yankees. This is – you're the captain of the Yankees. You're the most marketable. New York's in a weird spot with sports right now. I think there's a – they're post-Jeter, post post-Eli. There is an opening to be number one market. I mean, Julius Randle has the money right now. Julius Randle right now is the most – is the number one New York market. Is He's the biggest athlete in New York. Yeah, KD. Yeah, but Katie, nobody cares about Brooklyn. The Nets don't have the fan base. Julius Randle is the face of New York sports because he's the premier star of the premier team. What about NYFC? They just won the MLS Cup. They got any studs? Chase, can you name one player on NYFC? No, but they're sponsored by Dude Wipes, which I think is funny. Well, then Dude Wipes has the belt. He's the most marketable athlete in NYC. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so I guess my, my last question on this really is um, – where do you think Aaron Judge goes in free agency, if anywhere, and for how much money, if you had to predict right now? I mean, if I, had to, I couldn't even give you a dollar amount because though I think him turning down that contract to the Yankees means I have no idea what this guy thinks his market is. Uh, the team that makes sense, uh, San Francisco. Dude, I was about to say the same thing. I actually said that on opening day. I think this will be their front office's first big splash. Yep, he's, they, they're kind of due. They're, they're good. I think they take a step back this year, but they're building. They're good. They're they have the cultures there, the front and don't office. and don't forget when we say take a step back, they also won 107 games last year, so they could win 93 games and it's they still win 100. They could win 99 games. Yeah, and it's still a substantial step back, air quotations. But I agree with you on the Giants. I think that's the team. Uh, the other option, and he's a Fresno kid. Yeah, that's why they'd be send him home. Um, Man, what the fuck are we gonna do if Judge goes? I mean. I think I'll feel like I felt how Kenoga went, though. We gave a fair offer, and he took the money elsewhere. I mean, what do we do without Judge? I mean, we, without- <laughs> we signed Jacoby Ellsbury again. I'm canceling my tickets. I don't think we're resigning Jacoby Ellsbury. Uh, but, I mean, that, who what would that be? Buxton? We can't even sign Buxton. He signed an extension. Yeah, you're right. Trey Turner? I don't think the Dodgers letting him go. No. You were the one who keeps saying that was part of the calculation, letting Seager walk. Yeah, I mean, Turner's a beast. I would be shocked. Um, all right, we got a bunch of extensions and trades that happened right around opening, opening day, so we'll just run through them. Uh, Ryan Presley, two-year, $30 million with the Astros. Uh, there's also a vesting option for 2025 that could take the deal up to $42 million total. Uh, that option will vest if he makes 50 appearances in 2023 and 2024. It's one of the highest-paid relievers in baseball now, and it's the largest contract ever given to an Astros reliever. 
Um, Presley was a guy who was a very under the radar trade deadline pickup by the Astros from the twins at the 2018 deadline. Um, but all told, once he went to the Astros spin rate, uh, you know, with the twin, he had a three, four ERA. Once he goes to Houston post trading a 0.77 ERA over 23 and a third innings pitch there. And although he couldn't quite maintain that microscopically low ERA, uh, all told in the past three seasons, 193, 139 and a third innings pitch, 245 ERA, 33% strikeout rate. Uh, and among relievers with at least 130 innings at that time, the ERA trails only Liam Hendricks and Josh Hader. Strikeout rate comes in seventh, walk rate comes in sixth. I got nothing to say other than Presley's an uh, elite relief pitcher. And anybody who says that, oh, relief pitchers can just be found, you know, you can bring them up. It's anyone who throws hard. This contract, Kenley Jansen's contract, Rysel Glacier's contract, Kimbrell, them trading AJ Pollock for him. This shows teams still value and will pay money for TM trademark big game closers. Yeah. And again, you can't, you can never have enough relief pitchers. You always, you always need the relief pitchers. You need the arms. Uh, I think it was a solid deal. You know, that's a team wanting to compete. That's a team that should be in play for a World Series. They're my, team, they're my pick to win the World Series. Uh, and you need that back-end guy shut it down. The, it finally <laughs> puts to bed the Roberto Ozuna era. Yeah, that's about time. And that's important. So congratulations to Ryan Presley. A couple young guys who got locked up. The Pirates making a surprise announcement. We all thought it would be Brian Reynolds. Instead, it was Key Brian Hayes, son of former Yankee World Series winner Charlie Hayes. Eight-year, $70 million contract. It is the largest guarantee given to a player with between one and two years of service time and the largest deal ever handed out by the Pirates. It'll keep him through Pittsburgh through at least 2029 with a club option through 2030. Deal buys out three years of his free agency, which would have arrived at the conclusion of 2026. Uh, he's entering his age 25 season this year. will now remain under team control through his age 32 or 33 season. Uh, again, this is a solid payday, uh, but 70 million will most likely constitute a majority of his career earnings. Given he won free agency until 33 and you have to spend it in Pittsburgh, but that's an aside. Uh, former top prospect known for his glove was promoted during the pandemic short in 2020 season. Uh, that year he had 376, 442, 682 and 24 games. Last year he came back to earth. Uh, but all told through his career, 283, 44, 42 hitter, and 491 trips to the plate. He won the 2021 Fielding Bible Award for third baseman, edging out Matt Chapman and Nolan Arenado. I think there's no reason he can't be a 40 doubles, 285 guy while playing elite defense at third. Um, so the value's there for both teams. And again, we've seen this trade off, especially for guys who play for small market teams. Uh, the first Jose contract really comes to mind less than this one. Um, guys like financial security. We just saw a lockout. I mean, is Cabrian Hayes relative to his talent maybe minimizing what he's going to make? Sure, but $70 million is $70 million. Good for the Pirates locking up the new face of the franchise. And Brian Reynolds, you are officially on the clock to get traded. Yeah, again, you know, Pittsburgh is a pretty decent place to live, but that's a lot of time to commit to living in Pittsburgh. And yeah, he's going through his whole prime. Uh, Again, that's such a friend. That's such a team-friendly deal. If the time comes, I mean, this is the type of deal where he ends up. He'll be a ten and five guy halfway through this deal. All right, so it's not like he'll. He won't have the option to get out. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I, I would have wanted to see more from the franchise. I'm sure they probably sold him a bill of goods. You know, you sign up here. Like, we're building. We're building. Just wait it out. Pittsburgh has had those two. Blip playoff seasons with McCutcheon, but 
and they haven't done anything since 91 other than that. Yeah, and that's 30 years ago. J.P. Crawford, Mariners, and him agreed to a extension that tacked down four years and $46.15 million and new money there, starting shortstop for the Mariners. All total, the deals were $51 million. Starts this year and buys out two free agent season. 27-year-old Crawford was a first-round pick out of high school by the Phillies in 2013. He was traded to the Mariners with Carlos Santana in the deal that sent Juan Segura to Philadelphia. Rare trade that I would say worked out you know, fairly well for both sides. Uh, Crawford's been the starting shortstop since that trade. Defense is his calling card. Big week for guys who are strong defensively. Landed a gold glove for his work in 2020, and he ranked sixth in the 2021 Fielding Bible Awards voting. Uh, offensively, he's become slowly above average, 103 WRC plus last year, uh, but 3.1 fan graphs wore a career high given the glove work. Uh, and again, Crawford starting shortstop this year, regardless of who the team ended up pursuing in free agency, they lock him up uh, until his age 32 season now. And again, I don't have much commentary to add on this deal either. Uh, $10 million a year, though, for a slightly above average hitting strong glove shortstop. Yeah, that seems to be like what Angleton Simmons got for five, six years. I like this deal for the Mariners starting to lock up the young core. Like this isn't the most exciting move. It's J.P. Crawford, but that's a very nice – it's just a very – it's a savvy move by Seattle. You have a good shortstop. You're not – oh, you're not breaking the bank for him. Uh, J.P. gets to say in Seattle, which is a way better place to live than Pittsburgh for his prime. And, you know, it's, a, it's good. I think this is a move for a team. This isn't the move that puts them over the top, but it's a move that keeps them that one move away from being over. Yep, keeps the young core together. Uh, two trades in the AL Central. One was surprising. One was less surprising. Uh, we'll start with the less surprising one. Uh, Twins made a move, their last move of the offseason, right before opening day. They traded um, Taylor Rogers, their closer, in exchange for Chris Paddock and Emilio Pagan. Uh, the Padres also announced a trade, and they are receiving $6.6 million for the Twins, uh, which reduces Rogers' salary from $7.3 million to the new $700,000 league minimum. Very simple from the Padres side. They needed a closer. Mark Melanson left in free agency. Uh, Taylor Rogers has been pretty, pretty solid. I mean, over these past couple of years, um, all told, he's got, been one of the best relievers in baseball over the past few years. Uh, he's racked up 50 saves in his past couple of years as a closer. He was an all-star in 2021. Uh, he had a 148 ERA in the back half of the 2018 season. And there's been no looking back since then. He's had a 2.58 ERA since then. New closer for the uh, Padres, like him there. And look, for Paddock, uh, I mean, Pagan is a decent bullpen piece for the Twins, but in Paddock, you're just chasing what he was as a rookie. I mean, he's 26 years old still. Uh, he broke out as one of the top 100 prospects in the 2019 season in the majors his first year, 142 thirds innings. He was on the opening day roster with Tatis, 333 ERA. Hasn't gotten it since, you know, since 2020. He had a 473 ERA. Uh, and that season last year at a 5.07 ERA and 108 in the third innings. Uh, but again, Rogers is a good relief pitcher, but if you watch his stuff, it's all based on the delivery. It's a little bit fluky in a lot of ways, even though it's repeatable delivery. Uh, all in all though, I like this trade for both sides. If the, the Padres get proven relief help, which is what they needed and they trade from their surplus, to the rotation. Uh, and if you're the twins, look, you take the, you take the chance on a 26 year old righty with three years of club control remaining. I uh, just hope you can tap into whatever it was there for his rookie year uh, and get that career four, five, seven ERA closer to that three, three, three ERA yet as a rookie. Yeah. I mean, the twins are in a spot where they want to take the bit. The twins are in a spot where they could take a swing on some on a guy like a paddock. That makes sense. And the Padres need the, they need help with the bullpen. If, if you're in a win now mode, you take the ride, you take Rodgers. If you so, can, 
if you can build around, if you have time, if you can have some flexibility, you take that. It makes sense to me. So you mentioned the Tigers going for it. Um, and I was very surprised. This trade happened last Monday while I was doing a fantasy draft. Um, they traded Isaac Paredes in a competitive balance round B selection. Uh, they went and got Austin Meadows from the Rays. Um, they already had a pretty solid outfield, Robbie Grossman, Victor Reyes, and Akil Badu. Uh, but Meadows will now be and has been one of their starting outfielders. Uh, Meadows in 2019 had a massive year, 33 home runs, hit 291, 364, 558. Uh, again, he was part of the infamous Chris Archer trade, him and Tyler Glass now. Uh, you know, in 2020, 205, 296, 371 slash line. Uh, but last year he bounced back, 27 home runs, 234, 315. Four five eight four five eight slash line. Uh, he only struck out at twenty point six percent of his trip to the dish last season, uh, and his contact rate at seventy seven point two percent were all right in line with his league's marks. Uh, with league marks over the course of four seasons, two sixty three thirty three four eighty nine slash line one twenty two wrc plus. Uh, he could still hit homers, but the best one was a lefty. He was another guy I always thought was a Yankee killer. I love this trade for the Tigers. You didn't give up a lot. You got a good young left handed bat. Um, I think the 30 home run power is absolutely still there. And again, did they need him? No, but I think it goes to your point that you said earlier, this Tigers team might be going for it a lot sooner than we thought uh, with a good young core, AJ Hinch and uh, Javi Baez now until. And the corpse of Miggy. Dude, Miggy's hitting three, three something right now. He's going for the 500, 3000 club. Yeah. I, Nicky, it's, it's always interesting. I think about it, as if I was a professional athlete like Nicky and I win that World Series coming up that first year and then I get back but never win another one. That's got to be interesting. I don't really know how I feel about that. What is happening? We love Nicky. Uh, what do you think of this move for the Tigers overall? So it's, I mean, again, it's a great move. You had to bring on a young guy for nothing. You bring out a guy who's shown so much potential uh, that, you know, and Tampa, I just, this Tampa just runs out of room for these guys. There's always more people. There are always more people in Tampa. They're usually not enough in Detroit. Yep. They traded Austin Meadows. They brought up one of their top prospects, Josh Lowe, and he's been solid since then. So hit the nail on the head. AL Central teams upgrading for what I think should be a surprisingly competitive division this year. Uh, we got two more extensions, and then we will talk about some fun minor league deals and get into some odds and ends, tweets of the week. Uh, but of all these guys we've announced, the Bavada odds at this time last year of Garrett Whitlock getting in a four-year extension uh, would have been impossible. He was a Rule 5 pick of the New York Yankees, and what that means – or of the Boston Red Sox from the New York Yankees. And what that means is the Yankees didn't think he was good enough to have on the 40-man roster. They didn't protect him. The Red Sox picked him. They had to have him on the big league roster all of last year. Uh, he's become one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. Uh, he got a four-year, $18.75 million extension from 2023 to 2026. Always hurts for me to say this um, because as a Yankee fan, I think of what we could use in the bullpen, and Whitlock would have been perfect. But credit to the Red Sox and their scouting department. Um, last year as a rookie, 196 ERA, 49.7% grounder rate, 27.2% strikeout rate. He was a multi-inning reliever out of the Red Sox bullpen and was a major factor in the Red Sox run to the ALCS. The team now has him locked up as a contributor for a better part of the next decade. And this extension, no matter how you frame it, is great for both player and team. I mean, Whitlock, again, a rule five guy. If you would have told him last year he was going to get $18.75 million, he would have said you're absolutely insane. Uh, but from the Red Sox standpoint, this is either going to turn out to be a reasonably paid strong reliever 
or an underpaid good starter if all goes well and they move into the rotation. As a Yankee fan, this sucks. Uh, as a baseball fan, though, I'm so happy for Garrett Whitlock and a great move for the Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, I, does he, what does he – I don't know if the upside's super high with him in the rotation, but they need the extra – Boston's been a team – I'd say Boston – of the, any team early season, Boston's the one that I'd be most concerned about. Something doesn't look right. Maybe they lost two to the Yanks. I didn't love it. It's the like pitching. It. I'm throwing a baseball like this. It's all pitching. They're pitch. I mean, without sale, what are they? What is this rotation without sale? It's a Valdi, Tanner Hawk. Um, That's not Mike, very good. So Michael Walker. Not very good. Yeah. It's very concerning without sale. I'm 100% with you there. Um, I think Whitlock, you know, going to your point, is the upside in the rotation super high. You know, but bless you. I think given what you just said about that rotation, though, I will build off your point. We've seen the Rays do the piggyback starter. I mean, this guy to me is the quintessential two, three inning piggyback guy if you need that. Yeah, I think that's where I like him as a, a Ranger Suarez type. Dude, Ranger Suarez did not look good last night in his first start. I was bumming. Yeah, I, uh, I, by the time I landed, that game was off. It's all right. I, he, he had some visa issues. He got to spring training late. We're going to give him a mulligan. I mean, we'll give him a couple mulligans. Not a couple. A couple mulligans. He's off my fantasy team. Uh, two more extensions, Miles Straw and the Guardians, five-year, $25 million extension. Club options covered 27 to 2028. Uh, former Astros farmhand Miles Straw was acquired by the Guardians last year. Um, all told, between the Guardians and the Astros last year, 271, 349, 348 slash line. But he's strong defensively, 30 steals, seventh in the center field voting for the Fielding Bibles Award, uh, 3.7 war by fan grabs with this so-so batting line uh and look all told in baseball especially in 2022 it's really hard to find steel so if you can find a 30 steel guy for five million a year good for the guardians and i like miles straw's name that's my analysis <laughs> i guess if that's what we're doing if we're just doing anything you like straw not i mean brick. do you have any analysis on miles straw no no knock on miles straw but i'd say that, i don't know when the big bad wolf came came book coming this house made of straw was not very stable that would be my concern. I would prefer if his name is Miles Brick. Okay, then. Uh, last extension, Manny Margot in the race. Two-year, $19 million deal pending a physical. Uh, deal will begin in 2023. Buyout his first two, eight, two years of free agency. Uh, he came over in a trade from the Padres in the 2019 to 2020 offseason. Uh, past two years, slightly below average numbers at the plate. 258, 317, 375 slash with 11 homers. Uh, but puts the ball in play only. He's striking out in 15.2% of his plate appearances. Very strong defensively, though. Uh, defensive run saved and ultimate zone reigning. Have him as a plus clubman in all five of his big league seasons. Uh, this year, he is playing more right field uh, in place of Kevin Kiermeyer, And no outfielder has fared better than him in StatCast outs above average metric, which pegged him for 16 plays above par last year. Plays above par. That's a golf term we are using in baseball now, I guess. I mean, look, I, I said it before with the glove first type of thing. I guess nine and a half million is fine. Um, this is just surprising to me just because the Rays are so frugal. And to give nine and a half million dollars a year for such a glove first guy is surprising, especially given their farm system. But it's not, it's only a two year deal. It's only a two year deal. So it's not, it's, this isn't going to be good. It, it seems fine. I don't love going glove first guys, giving them that much money. Just, I mean, because you see, look, a guy like Alec Baum's going to end up making more and he can't throw. Yeah, I, I just think 
not that Margot's bad, but he's definitely negative in the lineup. And I just think with the Rays who pride themselves in versatility, I would almost rather just have an extra outfield spot open, but good for Manny Margot. Hey, don't hate. Hey, you always, I always have when players get their money. All right. Two minor league guys, two minor league deals this week of contenders looking to bolster their teams, both notable guys, at least in my mind. Um, Devlin Batances, he signed with the Dodgers to a minor league deal. I mean, look, for those of you who are Yankee fans, Patances was as dominant of a reliever as there was in baseball uh, over his four-year peak with the Yankees. He made four all-star teams. I think he was the only person on the AL, AL all-star roster this four years in a row. That definitely checks out to me. Maybe him and Trout? I don't think Trout did. There's something – Trout got hurt one of those years maybe? or Maybe you're right. Maybe Trout. You know, the past three years, he's had a very tough uh, – he's had a very tough stretch – uh, he tore his Achilles and hurt his shoulder in his last year at the Yankees in 2019. Mets signed him to a two-year two, two, two year deal, and all told, he went through 11 and two-third innings of 10-run ball. Uh, and his first season in Queens, only made one appearance since la- uh, last year. Uh, but again, over a five-year stretch between 2014 and 18, we're talking about a guy who tossed no fewer than 59 and two-thirds innings and never allowed more than 3.08 earned runs per nine innings. Uh, so you figure these past three years, he basically hasn't pitched at all. He barely pitched in the Yankees in 2019. 2020 and 2021 was a uh, was a was a wash. And despite that, when you look at the most strikeouts thrown in relief appearances, is 2014. Um, he is still fourth on this list between Chapman, Jansen, and Kimbrel, who have pitched every year. Uh, to me, look at 2.75 million dollars if he makes the team. This is an unreal year. We've seen Batanzas at his best. This is a guy where if the Dodgers could get him healthy, this is a true difference maker out of the pen. And then that's a huge if, obviously. Healthy, but I mean, if they're going to roll out Batances and Kimbrel eight nine, they made a seven inning games. That that could that, that this move has that much upside. Well, dude, you're missing, and I'll I'll make it six innings, like trying. Yeah. Um, well, then if I mean, maybe I'd want to go Batances in the seventh, but regardless, regardless semantics at that point. You three, I mean, you have three all star relief pitchers now that you can roll out there to close these games down for the Dodgers, a team that expects to win most of them. This is um, if this is a flyer, this is a fantastic flyer. There's no real downside to it. What's the? There's no downside to this move for the Dodgers. There's no downside to minor league deals in general, but this one especially. No, this is this one has nothing but upside. All right, I'm going to jump forward to our first injury report before doing our second minor league signing. Uh, Jonathan Gray is on the injured list. He was the Pirates' ace, uh, and he is the guy who was supposed to be the anchor of this rotation. He's got a blister on his finger. He's on the injured list. Uh, Lucas Giolito. Uh, the White Sox rotation was already down Lance Lynn with uh, knee surgery. Giolito will miss at least two starts. He's heading to the injured list uh, after experiencing abdominal tightness. Uh, Tony LaRusso said he's optimistic, but again, that's only two starts that he's going to miss, which would lead us to think that the Bavada odds of Johnny Cueto making it back to the show with the White Sox could be very high. Said the minor league deal with a uh, prorated $4.2 million salary if he makes the majors. He's got a May 15th opt-out. Uh, Cueto last year, his final appearance for the Giants uh, was on a September 13th relief appearance. It was the first relief appearances of a storied 14-year career. Uh, last year, he threw 114 and two-thirds innings for the Giants since 2020, 4.55 ERA. But hell, we have seen pitchers who are way worse than that pitch in the big leagues. And I don't know about you, but I was stoked to see our boy Cueto making it back. Hopefully, yeah, I love Johnny Cueto. I, I this is the side that he'll he'll make he'll end up on this team at some point. I'm trying to get his stats right. I want to say he had back-to-back top three Cy Young finishes, or is that crazy? No, that's uh, – one of them he was a runner-up, I think. 
let me look this one up quick. But no, Cueto, he's, Cueto is just a, he's just a fun, he's, he's fun. You know, Cueto is, he's one of the last guys in the league that just has a really unique delivery. And I feel like baseball needs more people with the crazy windups, the crazy delivery methods. That uh, Cueto's finished fourth and second and, and sixth in the Cy Young his career. He's only been an all-star twice, but that delivery makes him special. So I'm all in on this Cueto thing. Go White Sox. Uh, yeah, I'm all in on Cueto. We love the White Sox. Uh, two veterans who are in the news. First out, shout out to the – Todd Father, Todd Frazier, he is retiring uh, after an 11-year big league career. First-round pick out of Rutgers by the Reds in 2007. Uh, he emerged as a promising prospect. And I would say very few players as beloved as Todd Frazier across baseball, right? Nobody – as much as we joke I about mean, the Todd Frazier meeting Derek Jeter, the all-star thing being overplayed, uh, we love it. He's – yeah. I mean, home run derby champ. If The first thing that comes to mind is Little League World Series and home run derby champ. You probably didn't have as great a career as you think, but he was very likable. Love them. Uh, and the one thing I'll say about Todd Frazier, I mean, two-time All-Star with the Reds, good Yankee with uh, his short stint on that 2017. He was starting for his baseman. Uh, and all told, a really solid career. 241, 318, 445 slash line, 115 WRC+, solid defensively, 218 homers, 680 ribbies, uh, 24 career war. Uh, he was a silver medal winner at the Olympics last year. Uh, and just a guy who I, I loved watching play. Shout out to the Todd Father. Todd Father, congratulations on a very solid great nickname. Game. That's Todd a great Father, name. so great. Um, and also shout out to Big C. You know, we, we talk about how Rob Manford needs the players' outreach. Uh, he needs to do player outreach, which to his credit, he actually gave every big league player headphones and a thank you note on opening day. Take that as what you will, or for what you Interesting. will. But. Um, you know, look, you got Theo Epstein in there. I think having players and executives who are around the game goes a long way. Uh, and hiring CC to work around the league as uh, basically the new head of player relations, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and social responsibility and broadcasting. This is a great hire. I mean, CC is the VP of the Players Alliance. Everybody respects him. You know, as a black player in baseball, especially, I think he brings a very unique voice to the commissioner's office. Uh, slam dunk hire for Manfred, and I'm excited to watch CC. Hopefully, work his way up to the commissioner's office because Lord knows Major League Baseball could use him. Now, CC, CC, I mean, everything you said about have beloved Todd Frazier is it's CC's that times two. Well, CC's that, but he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, so this is good. I mean, CC's the right guy to help bridge some sort of tension between Manfred and the rest of the players. CC's a perfect hire for the job. We got some beef in Atlanta. Uh, did you see this back and forth between Acuna and Freeman in the media? I didn't actually see what Freeman said in response to it. I'd also like to point out Matt Olson in his first three games with the uh, Braves was eight for 12. No, I mean, I said it wouldn't happen. I'm like, how much, is there really that much of a drop-off? Going there's, no, there's no drop-off. You, got, you basically got the younger Freddie Freeman. Yeah. At a slightly lower average, but less money. Yeah, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought, I thought the Braves, Braves won this. All right, so Acuna on Wednesday acknowledged an internal rift with Freeman, saying that there was nothing he'd miss about the first baseman. Uh, on Thursday, he said those comments were made a spectacle of, while Freeman said the entire situation was unfortunate. Acuna was speaking Spanish to a Dominican Republic-based sports reporter late Wednesday night uh, on Instagram Live and was asked what he missed most about Freeman, and Acuna said, me, nothing. 
He was then asked if he'd been close to Freeman over the past four seasons with the Braves, and he said, we were close in that we shared the same stadium, but we had a lot of, how do you say, lots of clashes. Uh, lots of clashes. To be honest, I think it was just exaggerated and blown out of proportion by the media. He said this after the fact, saying, I didn't say anything bad about him. I didn't respect him. I talked about what happened in 2018. That was in the past. He later added, he never controlled me. He has a life and I have a life. Uh, according to the interview on Wednesday night, the crux of the issues with Freeman came all, uh, were when he disagreed with clubhouse rules during the 2018 season when Acuna was a rookie. Uh, Acuna said, when you come up as a rookie, there's always someone who wants to tell you how to do things. You come up from the minor leagues with the big eye black, the sunglasses, the hat low. And a lot of people see the wrong. And the other person doesn't see it as the wrong. It's part of the game. A lot of veterans picked on me when I was a rookie and they called me into the office themselves and told me, no, you can't use that. And they took the eye black off me with a towel like that. And I said, okay, that's fine. Pujols, who was the reporter, not Albert, uh, asked Acuna if he stayed quiet saying, yeah, of course I can't say anything. You know, uh, I just said one day I'll be a veteran. Not saying I'm a veteran right now, but no one's going to take the eye black off my face now, you know. Uh, and Freeman Thursday said that as a veteran, he was just trying to enforce the same organizational rules he had to comply with as a younger player. And he never viewed any friction or clashes with Acuna during their time together as teammates. I saw the eye black situation. Freeman told MLB Network, uh, when you put on a Braves uniform in that organization, there's rules. You don't cover the A on your hat with your sunglasses. You don't wear earrings. You have your hair a certain length. You wear a uniform during BP. You don't have eye black coming across your whole face. Those are just organizational things. So I guess I was one of the older guys that did have to enforce those things in the clubhouse. Freddie comes off as racist. Is that just me? No. Comes across as just like an old. Comes off as just like an ignorant moron. He comes across as, you know, it's just, I mean, if he worked at our summer camp, he would be, he would be in so much trouble right now. Or just trying to adhere to the way things are always, always done. Yes, it's, things change. People change. But rules, society changes. You want to wear eye black on your face? Who cares? It doesn't impact your job performance. Kunin knows what he's doing at the plate. So, yeah, that's a bad look for Freddie. Bad look for, bad look for Freddie. Yeah, bad luck for Freddie. Big All bad. right, a couple odds and ends and then tweets. Pitchcom is here. 15 of the 30 teams are using it. Again, that is where there's a receiver in the pitcher's ear and the catcher uses signs through a uh, basically like a wristband with nine, not basically, it's a wristband with nine buttons that correspond to pitch type and location. And then the pitcher hears a voice in the receiver telling them what pitch to throw and when to throw it and where to throw it, not when to throw it. Um, so here's my question to you. In no particular order, who do you think are some of the top voices that should be considered for the pitchcom voice? That's a good question. Um, I have a number one. I mean, James Earl Jones would be classic. I'm all in on the Gilbert Gottfried pitchcom. All right, so you're going that one? Yeah, I mean, there was this tweet who had, in no particular order, here's the voices. I would have said Costner, but I don't really know the full details of this Ripken thing. So, Cookie Monster, Nick Cage, Pesci, Evan Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld. Lois Griffin, Thanos, Buster Rhymes, George W. Bush mispronouncing everything, and Bob Shepard. Add Afro man to the list. <laughs> okay, I can live with that. Um, Peacock, they announced that there is Obama would actually be pretty good. I think his voice can't hurt. Um, can I get Leon from Curb? You can get Leon from Curb. Yo, Bryce, throw the fucking baseball outside. Come on, man. Oh boy, that was that's actually not a terrible Leon impression. He My does dad curse. does a much better one than I do. He curses a lot, though, Leon. 
he curses a lot. You would get a lot of throw this effing pitch. Uh, Peacock announced there is now Sunday morning baseball. Their broadcast games will start at 1130 and noon Eastern time. Uh, the deal requires all their big league games on those days uh, will be scheduled to start no earlier than 130 p.m. This will start Wednesday or this will start May 8th with the White Sox at the Red Sox. And the game will be broadcast by NBC in addition to being streamed on Peacock. All other games will be available only on Peacock. So here are my two takeaways with this one MLB. Make your games less fucking exclusive. People want to watch. You're not letting them. I mean, I like 11:30 start time, so I'll be, I'll, be, I'll do positive. Like that because we wake up early though. We're selfish. I was selfish there. I don't know if the casual fan is going to watch this. And you push every other game where the one o'clock's now become 1:30. You screw up everyone else's day. Stop screwing up my day, Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean, I just this this way too private. I think actually this, think, think of it this way, Bryce. Would you, even though we wake up early, want to be at Yankee Stadium with me for an 11.30 first pitch? That's a good point. I we would, go out Saturday I, night, we paint the town red, and then we got to be up for an 11.30 no, first pitch. No, I don't – it's funny. I was just since – since I did spend these last two weekends in the mountain times, I like getting up and being able to watch sports early. But actually having to go to sports early, not oh, I mean, you don't have to sell it to me. It's half the reason I miss California. What's the other half? The weather. Oh, sorry. Can't do it's anything fault. about either of those. No, it's not your fault. I wish I could help. It's not your fault. Um, all right. We are at the end of the show. Tweets of the week. So I mentioned Stephen Kwan before. Uh, he has reached base 13 times in his first four MLB games, or had reached, uh, tying what two players for the most times on base in their first four games since 1901? This is a hilarious list. All right. What's the question? Stephen Kwan got on base 13 times in his first four MLB games, tying what two players for the most times since 1901? Did Mercedes do it last year? Because I feel like he just came out fire. Nope. What about? One guy is a starting first baseman on an opening day for the New York Yankees, and the other is a hilarious man. Like, oh, boy. Oh, is this a random Yankee? Is it Euclid? Didn't Euclid kind of show up randomly? Jay Bruce. Oh, God. And Kazuke Matsui. Jay Bruce was a hilarious Met and a starting first baseman. Well, Jay Bruce was a decent enough Met. Uh, as a Yankee, he got bullied into retirement. Yeah, he, uh, he really must have Alec bombed New York. There you go. Um, John Heyman's going to the New York Post, so that means us in the New York market can read his nonsense even more. So that's good and bad, I guess. Uh, but I want to give a shout-out to Joe Davis. He's the new voice of the World Series. And has there ever been – I'll go on and off the field, sports on the field and broadcasting. A guy who has had a more daunting task to not only have to follow Vince Scully in the booth as the voice of the Dodgers, but to now follow Joe Buck as the voice of the World Series, both within an eight-year span. I'm trying to think. Because off the field, no. I can't think of an off the field. I feel like on the field you get a guy like Didi following Jeter type thing. That usually only happens once. These are two – Whatever you think of Joe Buck, Joe Buck's a legend in the industry. Joe Buck, I love Joe Buck. I th- I don't get any of the hate for Joe Buck. You're you're following two absolute legends. You got. Uh, I'm trying to think, maybe a coach. So we have to follow whoever's. Well, the Lakers haven't been able to fill the fill Jackson hole. Uh, I'm going with Joe Davis until we're proven otherwise. Yeah. Well, who did Bill – that be Bill Self took over for someone big at Illinois? 
Well, didn't Bill Self take over for Roy at Kansas? Yeah, but it would have to be another. You were trying to find somebody who's done this twice. I mean, you could go Hubert to Roy to Dean Smith. Oh, you mean with okay? Um, no, I don't think he did. But yeah, uh, Hubert also. Yeah, but don't look because I don't think we brought this up last week. For all the North Carolina fans who are very impressed with uh, Hubert Davis, I think they had a guy before Roy. Was it like Bill Etheridge or Guthridge? Him and Matt Doherty. Yeah, one of them actually was pretty good. And made the Final Four in his first year. Yeah, so you don't want that. Hubert's going to be okay. Uh, A couple other tweets. This is Joey Votto's first tweet ever. So big, big week of first for Joey Votto. He popped out to the picture for the first time in his career, but his first tweet ever was, I miss Bernie Mac. And this is why we love Joey Votto. And, I mean, we all miss Bernie Mac. We do all miss Bernie Mac. Um, we mentioned the Padres before. They're the only team in the modern era to have the starter pitch six-plus innings without allowing a hit in back-to-back games uh, at any point. And this was the first two games of the season, Darvish and Sean Manea. As I said, Tim Hill broke up the no-hitter both days on the mound. Uh, this is from Anthony DeComo. The Mets are the first team in Major League history to receive a scoreless start from their opening day starter in four consecutive seasons, 2019 to 2021. Uh, DeGrom, 19, the not, DeGrom 19 to 21. Tyler Meagle this past year on opening day against the Nats. Uh, from ESPN stats and info, this was the sixth walk-off win on opening day in Yankees franchise history. Uh, prior to Josh Donaldson's walk-off single, the last time was a Yogi Berra game-winning run in 1957 against the Senators. All that stuff's cool, but I'm just happy beating the Red Sox. Always. Taking two out of three against Boston, always great. Uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falafa turns out his fourth cousins with Ralph Kiner. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, once you start getting in these extra number cousins, it, it, it gets less and less cool every time, but not bad. They're worse people related to. And last but not least, my tweet of the week, last shout-out of the week, uh, Seth Beer not only became the first rookie in MLB history to walk off home run while trailing on opening day, he did it for the Diamondbacks, uh, but Seth Beer hit a walk-off home run on National Beer Day. Hollywood, get this man's story ready to go. It wrote itself. God, I mean, beer's cool. I, I like beers, man. Beers, cool. Beer day is good. Baseball's good. It was a great welcome back to baseball. All right. That is all I got after our first week of the regular season. Any concluding thoughts for this week's show? Um, stay hydrated, get vaccinated, and I have future bets out on the Suns and 76ers to win the title. So hopefully we get a Chris Paul versus James Harden in the finals. Starting the NBA playoffs, playing games are tonight. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, baseball's back. Remember to set your fantasy lineups, Yanks, Blue Jays. And then I believe we either go to Detroit or Baltimore. Uh, I think it's Baltimore next weekend. Uh, and most importantly, for all those celebrating, happy Passover, happy Easter. Enjoy some time with your family. Or don't. That's really up to you. But remember, whatever you decide to do this weekend, holidays or not, baseball will be on. With Bryce Holden, my name is Jason Medorsky. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Have a great week.